You're listening to Parenting in the First Three Years, the place where we explore the strategies and soul of parenting from pregnancy through the first three years of life. I'm your host, Ann McKittrick. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined me. You know, once a month, I invite a mom to come on with me and talk to me just about the things that she's learning from her children and the her thoughts and heart about being a mom. And I think you're going to love today's conversation with Christine Ammerman. Christine is an entrepreneur. She has a podcast herself called Podcast Guesting for Profit. And she also is the mom to three daughters. And I'm going to let her tell you all about them and all of the things that she has learned from being a mother. So here we go. Enjoy this conversation with Christine Ammerman. Christine, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Mom's Story. I can't wait for you to share some of your experiences and just give people some insight into what's happened with you as a mom. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I'm excited. So why don't you start by telling us about your children? Mm, Well, I have three children, two Earthside and one in heaven. My oldest is my angel. Her name is Maeve. We celebrated her eighth birthday, which is also her angelversary, the day she entered and left this world just over eight years ago. So we just celebrated that this month as of the time that we're recording. And then I have two living daughters, six and three, who are very much here, large and in charge. So. Tell us just a little bit quickly about your work, because I want to tie the two things in together. Tell us what you do. So the heart of my work is storytelling and elevating voices who are doing important work in the world. And the way that I do that is by helping people be really good at being guests on podcasts. So it's a little bit meta because I'm right now being a guest on a podcast. Thank you so much. I also love it. And I find that it's just this really beautiful way for humans to connect on a deep level in a way that works with our our modern world, right? Mm -hmm. And that also can be very healing, which is so much of what you're doing here, right? Is sharing these stories that are real and that are very personal and also very universal. Mm -hmm. So I love to do that with people doing all different kinds of work. Yeah. It's really interesting the relationship that you have with people that you listen to. Sometimes when I listen to one podcast, you know, a lot, a lot of episodes of it, you can honestly hear that person's voice in my head when I think about certain things. And so it's a very powerful medium. Yes. (laughs) That's really cool work. So you help other people become authentic, genuine listeners as they are being interviewed and interviewing other people. What are some ways that you apply some of those same ideas with your children? How do you help them become good listeners? That's such a great question. And you know, it is rare at this point in my career that I get asked a question I have not been asked before. And that is one. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) You're going to get a completely genuine, real, raw answer. And I'm not so sure I'm great at it. I am a person who became a mom later than a lot of people do. And 
I had a very full life and career that I love before I became a mom. And I have found that wearing all of these different hats in these roles, very challenging, especially because of raising these kids in COVID times. And then also I am a single mom now. So part of the last six years plus the last eight years, right, has been the eventual, what would lead to the transition out of a marriage with their dad. And then also, I don't find it natural. There's a reason that I wasn't an elementary school or preschool teacher. I don't find that it comes to me easily, like my day work, my business does. So in answer to your question, I would say right now, what it looks like is me doing a lot of deep breathing because one of them has had a diagnosis as neurodivergent. And so that often presents with some aggression and some real dysregulated behavior. I'm a highly sensitive person who just feels the energy the minute you walk into a room. And so I'm playing a game with myself right now to see if I can be and remain the calmest person in the room. And a lot of times that looks like a lot of real deep, loud, obnoxious breathing or tapping, EFT tapping, and being super, super self-aware, watching myself so that I can listen to them. So that is a very long answer to say, practicing curiosity rather than judgment, because I have a very judgmental voice in my head Mm -hmm. for myself. And of course, that gets projected on others. and learning how to respond rather than react, which comes along with the breathing, right? Those are like big things I'm practicing right now. I have so many things I want to be doing and like, oh, that would be so fun to do with them. And the reality is a lot of the time, it's like, just stay calm. Can we do that? Because that's the baseline I'm working on, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Can we just not scream? Yeah. Yeah. Can we not walk around like this? You know, my shoulders are up in my ears because my, my fight or flight all the time. Yeah, like that. I can't move my neck. Yeah, I can totally relate to exactly all of those things that you've just described. It's just how it is. And there's just something about a child who just wants your attention and wants you to engage. And it feels like a sponge that just never, ever gets filled. Probably one yes. of the biggest challenges of parenting, really. And then they turn into teenagers and won't talk to you at all. This is what I hear. Yeah. (laughs) I heard that rumor. Well, those are really great things. I do a lot of thinking and listening and studying of Fred Rogers. And he really talks about going slow and deep with children. And that's exactly what you've just described to just take a breath and not say anything. Oftentimes, if you just don't say anything, but have an inviting face, They'll just continue to talk and tell you more and tell you more. And it's one way to, I think, demonstrate how to listen, even to their friends. Kids have to be taught how to listen to other kids, too. That's an important skill that happens with your six-year-old, I'm sure, in her classroom. And your three-year-old is beginning to learn those skills. So a lot of our listeners are parents of very young children. This is parenting from birth to three. So we've got babies and maybe some pregnant parents listening. When we were talking initially, you described your three-year-old as a three-nager. Tell me what you meant by that and what's going on there. I think about 
the relationship between being three and being a teenager as a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion that as teenagers, we might equate with the hormones, right? Mm -hmm. It's all the hormones coursing (laughs) through their body. And as a three-year-old, these really dramatic, real feelings that are just wildly swinging Mm -hmm. all of the time and a high need for importance, like seeking this attention, seeking this to be seen. And I really, really, I think at least in my experience, the hallmark is that there's giant swings that you could be pulled up by a crane and let go back and forth. That's the picture that I think of when it comes to these emotions. It's the highest joy and then utter despair (laughs) and everything in between. So true. I was just writing this little article this morning for a website that is for business women. And the question was, how do you stay connected with your child when they are at school? And one of the things that I said is that oftentimes when you go and you drop your three-year-old at school at childcare or pre-K or whatever, they will just fall out crying and clinging and put on this gigantic show of, I don't want to be here. I don't want you to leave clinging to your leg. And man, it makes parents feel so, so bad and guilty for leaving their kid at this school with this teacher. And then I promise this is what happens. Before the parent even gets to the car and starts the car, that kid is playing happy in the classroom with the other kids. That's exactly what you just described, this big swinging of emotion. You know, they really do feel that. I think that they really have a wonder at the beginning, is she going to come back? Is he going to come back and get me? Because that is probably a little tiny bit of that. But also, I think they're just communicating that they really prefer your company over this other person and these kids. But then they get distracted and they get see the toys, they see their friends and they go in and they play and they're happy and they have a great day until you come back. And oftentimes they'll do the same thing at the end of the day. That's so true. And it brings up for me, one of the things that I keep feeling that they are inviting me to continue learning and learning and learning is this idea of presence. When they were little, even smaller, you know, babies, babies, I used to say, oh yeah, my kids are teaching me to be present. It looks real different now and on a whole other level than when they were babies, babies, and they slept a lot more and right, they moved a lot less. But I think that's part of what you're saying, right? Is what a beautiful gift, the way that their minds are naturally to be able to live in that moment, whatever it is, it just is right there. And then the next second, it's going to be something different. There's no rumination. It's just where I am right now. And that's Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. I think that's one of the things I really love about children. They're just raw. They're raw people because they don't have all the filters and all of the ways of being with other people quite yet. So that's something I love about kids. I love that. And you have this beautiful present energy yourself. Yeah. To me, it seems like you are able to hold such a great, non-judgmental, welcoming space for everybody, right? Whether it's the parent who's like, please help me, or it's the kids 
who you're working with in a different way. I think that's really a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Those are very kind words. Appreciate that. Well, this is just such a beautiful little snapshot of you as a mother, Christine. I love hearing and seeing your face as you're talking. I wish everyone could see your face as you're talking about your children because it's really so beautiful. Do you have any parting thoughts as we wrap up this mom story episode? Any encouragement for new mamas and dads? You know, I think something that I was scared to voice that I would love to normalize is because of what I took in and maybe was modeled for me and how I interpreted all of that as a youngster, I created a lot of cognitive dissonance and a lot of guilt around finding mothering and parenting so hard and so unnatural. And the way that I mean that is like, I didn't know what to do. I felt so out of my depth. Like I would easily make a choice to give my life for them. No brainer. Mama bear comes out. And also there are times when I'm like, I don't know how to do this and without losing my mind or my spirit, right? And who I really am. And so there have been times when I've like shared that like in this little safe space because I was so afraid that I would be judged. And always it's been like every mom I've ever talked to has confided that in me, right? Because that person was a safe space. And so I think those of you out there who have little babies or maybe you're expecting and maybe you had a life and a career and all this before, before you chose to have human children, because I was always a dog mom, (laughs) that I want to normalize that, like, and push back against these myths, these cultural projections that Mm -hmm. it should look like this or that, or how you were raised or whatever. And know that you're not alone. If it feels really different than the Pinterest image you had in your mind. And that that's great too. That's what I would say. That is such a deep, deep truth. And we could probably talk a whole nother 30 minutes about that one thing. You know, I have these groups that I host in my home and it's like a mastermind type program for moms. And that's one of the biggest goals that I have is to create a safe space to talk about those things, those feelings that you have, the dissidence that you have, the conflict between being a mother and being a woman and being whatever it else is that you are. We all have many, many parts and motherhood is one of them. And so we talk about it before we even have the conversation. This is a safe space. You are free to say what you need to say. No one is going to take what your words and talk about them other places because we do need to have that safe space. And so that's a great way to end it in a great encouragement for everyone listening to find those safe people to talk to and get those things out. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for making it safe to even share that here, right? (laughs) Again, a testament to how you show up and the conversations you're willing to have. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. I know that this is going to be just very motivating for any parent who listens. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Welcome. If you love today's episode, take a minute and subscribe to our podcast. And one last thing, I'd love to pray for you and your baby if you'd like for me to. You can email me at ask at nurturednoggins.com. 
Your request can be as simple as just one word, or it can include an explanation. Either way, you can trust that I will pray for you. It's a quiet, simple way that I can connect with you and your family and support you in your parenting journey.